Today's Tuesday, June 11, 2019, and this week on the Birdland BS Podcast, the Ravens begin mandatory minicamps. We've got some hurt birds in the nest. Big names and big expectations roll in for the Terps. Pete Rose and Joe DiMaggio in the good, bad, and ugly? Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. What's up, BSers? What is up, people and playmakers? Fred, Scott, and Brian. It's episode 101 of the Birdland BS podcast. I almost called this episode 101 Damnations. <laughs> almost. You and the cheesy Disney lines. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Disney alone, damn it. <laughs> Fresh off episode 100 again. Want to thank everybody for coming out and being a part of a special night for us. A lot of fun. We had a great time at Pizza John's. Want to thank James and the entire crew over there, Pizza John's, for hosting and for having us there. Scott, I mean, we had a great time. It was a great time. Everybody come out. We actually, uh, so some, there was a local personality that was actually out there uh, a few weeks prior to us. Yeah. And they, when I said earlier, pre-show, they invited us back. They legit invited us back because they really want us back. You guys showed up in force yeah, man. as BSers, and they wanted us to come back because it really turned out they did great business. Everybody was having fun, sitting back, drinking the brew of the week, sitting there, enjoying some nice Pizza John's. Who doesn't love some Pizza John's pizza? If right. you don't, you're crazy. There's um, torture staring at that pizza in front of me the entire time. Torture. It was. There were a few times where I felt myself like, uh, keep the hand down. Don't go for the pizza. <laughs> uh, it looked beautiful in the shot, though. Yeah, it came did. across well. N- Nikki says, "Where's the pizza?" Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. gone. It, Ate yeah, that it quickly. Was, <laughs> it was gone like that night. Most most of it. So yeah, we had a great time. Uh, thanks again to all of our sponsors for donating some of the giveaways. A lot of the uh, the people that came out had a great time answering the trivia questions that we put together. Got some really cool prizes. Gift cards from Pizza John's, some nice growler giveaway. from our uh, from our sponsor at Liquor Stops, a bunch of T-shirts. It was a great night, man. And James giving away that uh, that Cal Ripken ball, right? Uh, so great time having everybody out. We're gonna figure out a uh, you know it, it's probably gonna be a little bit, but we're gonna figure out how to do another one of those because that yeah. was a lot of fun for us. It's, it's the feedback that we got from everybody out there was that it was a lot of fun for everybody else. So we want to we want to continue doing that and have fun with it again for sure. We got an action packed show for you as always. The Ravens. Getting into uh, mandatory mini camps, the Orioles have some hurt birds in the nest. Some big names and big expectations for the Terps. I'm excited for this one. I am. Some moves that I'm excited about. And we got some interesting topics for the good, bad, and ugly. Stay tuned for that. It should be a pretty fun segment this week. But before we get too far in anything, of course, we want to remind you, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home and you want someone who's going to go to bat for you, call our guy, John Scheffenacher, a Redfin agent. John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. 
For you Oreo fans out there, you may know him as a sunglass guy sitting behind the dugout at Camden Yards. So give John a call today, 443-604-6298. Yeah, unfortunately, John was uh, busy, I believe, actually selling a house uh, last week, so he wasn't able to actually make it out to the show uh, for the 100th episode, but... Like we've said a hundred times, money. yeah, right. That's that's how dedicated he is. He's he's so dedicated. He's not going to come out to to the show because he wants to sell you a house. I mean, what can you? What more can you ask? Can't for? blame him. Can't blame him at all. Uh, but he takes care of his clients. He does whatever it takes for them. So make sure that if you if you are in the market to buy or sell your home, don't forget that if you're even if you're in the market to sell your home, make sure you reach out to John today. He'll cover the Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware. All that, he'll cover it, he'll help you out, he'll get it squared away for you. So give him a call, 443-604-6298. Also hit him up on his email at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell him, Berlin BS was the one that sent you. All right, Scott, it's time for some Raven Flock news. We got a lot to cover, man. The, uh, the, the I guess, the volunteer or whatever you want to call them, the the non-mandatory OTAs. They came to an end last Friday. The the We really, really, really want you to be here, even though you don't have to yeah, be here. Yeah, even though you don't have to be. <laughs> you know what I was kind of, what I, what I kind of thought was interesting about last week was that um, during the, the Ring of Honor, indu- or not inductions, but the, the speech that they announced that Brian Billick and Haloti Nada was going to be in the Ring of Honor. I'm glad you didn't flood it like I did last week, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was interesting that John Harbaugh wasn't there and that he chose to go host the rookies at his house for a barbecue instead of being there for kind of a, a pretty important moment for the Ravens. It almost makes me kind of think, I wonder if there's still maybe a little bit of tension between Harbaugh and Billick. You think there's anything to that? Maybe. I mean, my I'm torn on this because I think there could be there that could be there, but he's done this in the past, right? So I'm not surprised by it. I still question this move on a regular basis, right? You know that you could have a barbecue on a day that's not an OTA day. You, <laughs> right. you essentially lose. These guys are out playing basketball, which I'm sorry, playing basketball on John Harbaugh's court is a lawsuit and an issue waiting to happen. Yeah, ask Terrell Suggs about it. Yeah. It's one of those things that if something happens, they're in trouble, and it's on Harbaugh. He's he's on his own property, so it's a problem for him, for the team, as a liability. So I, I just think it's a little dumb to be doing something like that. I get it. Great. You want to have team camaraderie. You want to do team events. But I also think it should be the entire team. Yeah. Not just the rookies and you know some of the guys that came out to the OTs. You make that a whole team event. I don't know. I mean, I kind of get it as to why he does it. It's kind of a get to know me and kind of just a get loose type of thing, you know, for the rookies, the veterans have been there. They've done that before. So I I don't, I don't knock the actual event, him having the barbecue. I just thought it was an interesting choice of day. You know, you're, you're about to induct two members into the most important nostalgia, like award that you can get from the Ravens, right? You're about to induct two people and obviously one of them is the coach that you then replaced. So, And then there was always kind of chatter in the background that there was some hostility between Billick and Harbaugh over the situation where I thought Billick really should have been more angry at, at management than more so at, than Harbaugh. But oh, yeah. I just I don't know if I didn't know if there was anything to that or 
or what your thoughts were I mean him of a him of a shot he seemed to have made up I, there were some some statements that were made in some individual um, outside the actual press conference but some individual interviews that were done where Bashadi and and Billick both denied any hard feelings or anything like that I still right. agree I think that the way that he left the way that they they kind of did him so to speak it wasn't anticipated by many fans here so I, I think you know I think Billick kind of took that to heart a little bit right maybe there was there was a little bit of uh uh what's the word i'm looking for when you're uh when you're upset with somebody resentment. i can't even think of it resentment thank you um i think there was a little bit of resentment there but mm -hmm. I, I think people blew it out of proportion i think it just it took the right time and i think haloti coming in and B billick was around during that time when we drafted haloti right and you know ozzy which i still it still baffles me that it wasn't ozzy it's, uh, I, I, he'll get it in his due time. I, he will. I think when he says I'm, when he fully says I'm done yeah. with the Ravens, that's when they'll do it. It'll be that same year. Well, mandatory mini camp started today, and that goes through this Thursday. An interesting <laughs> event <laughs> happened on the field today. So Michael Pierce wasn't out on the field for very long. Why is that, Fred? John Harbaugh and the Ravens staff decided to pull him off the field because. Uh, Let's just say he wasn't in the best of shape. <laughs> yeah. He Harbaugh, was more round. Harbaugh's comments, he's not ready to practice from just a safety standpoint. For his own health, we recognized that and pulled him off. Did you Let see me the sum pictures? That Let me sum that up. He came into camp too fat. Yeah, and I mean, he did. Simple as that. Now, Michael Pierce has never been. He's not a slim guy a by slim any guy. means. But when you look at the pictures from him last year, when he was in full-on gear, shoulder pads and everything, to what he looked like today out of minicamp, he he uh yeah he had been he eating. had a few too many brew of the weeks yeah on his on his off season I'm and just gonna say that few too many <laughs> trips to five guys I, I don't know what was going on there but he uh he was definitely out of shape and what's concerning to me is this is this is an important year for Michael Pierce I don't think. I don't think it'll be an issue with him losing the weight and getting back in the shape and passing the condition test. Like it's, it doesn't need to be overblown into a situation where, you know, it's just more so like if, if it's me and I'm going into my contract year. Oh yeah. You don't want to be <laughs> out of all years. I'm going to be in the best shape possible. This contract is going to set not only you up, but your family up and generations to come for, I mean, if, if you do it right and he's just off to a bad start, he is not starting the season. Well, and you, there's, there's several guys out there that have passed, you know, these guys, when they come back, they have to pass a conditioning test. So there's several guys that have already passed and gone through their conditioning test. And this was their way of basically saying, dude, you'd fail a conditioning test. That we handed it to you right now. If, it, if this was training camp, you'd fail, right? Get your ass in shape. Yeah, it's it's kind of disheartening. Like I said, I it's just this was a guy that I was excited about. Year in and year out, it's through his first three years, he's gotten better and better. It's just been one of those things where I was expecting him to take the next step where it creates a situation for the Ravens to have to think, do we offer this guy that next that big contract it, to keep him because it questions commitment. Right. And I mean, yeah, exactly. Going into your contract year. You don't have the dedication to keep yourself away from the sweets, to keep yourself away from the fatty foods, and to really put yourself in a good position to succeed. Red, White, and Dew on uh, YouTube says he had a couple natty daddies. Yeah, he did. A few too many natty daddies, apparently. <laughs> uh, but 
The other thing that that we see coming out of camp, out of OTAs, a little bit out of mini camp, there's a lot of talk surrounding Chris Moore right now. Yeah. The Ravens really think he's going to make the next step. Do you, what, I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's going to have a breakout season? Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is <laughs> in my opinion, this is overdue for Chris Moore. Chris Moore, he's had a couple of drops and he's had a couple of bad, you know, bad plays throughout his career. A couple, you know, most recent, most recently last year. But when he's been out on the field and when they've actually involved him in the offense, he's he's done very, very well. And it's a guy that I've always wanted to see kind of get a little bit more playing time. And they just they underutilize him. And I thought this year he comes into a very young wide receiver core where him and Willie Sneed are the two veterans on the on the on the roster. He can make a huge impact. He can make a huge impact. And this is a guy that, again, he's got pretty good hands. You get him out in space. He can make plays. And then the versatility with what he can bring on special teams. I like Chris Moore a lot. And I think if he can build that rapport with Lamar, I think he could be primed for a big year. I wouldn't disagree with that. My only thing with the special teams is we, we've tried Chris Moore on special teams a few times, and we, we seem to consistently run into issues. I hope he's over that because I hope maybe they, they to your point, they put him more in the role of wide receiver, being you know a little bit more of a mentor to some of these younger guys as well. Right. Uh, but I, he, he's, he's primed to have a big year. Yeah. And the way that he's been connecting so far with Lamar, I think, is where all the, the wording and, and all the articles have been coming from, is the fact that they've been connecting well. He's been hitting him targets in stride with, with Moore, more so than some of the other receivers. So I, I think it just goes to show you that Moore is stepping it up to another level as Lamar steps it up to another level. And I think in the beginning of the year, we're going to have to see Chris Moore step up because... They're not going to rush Hollywood Brown out on the field. But, no, you know, if no. they're smart, you cannot. You, you can't cannot. you can't take your first round pick and put him out on the field and subject him to more injury until he's healthy. Personally, I probably wouldn't I wouldn't like to see Hollywood out there until week 4 or even later in the year to give him the, you know, the full time to really heal. And I think that's where Chris Moore is going to have to step up and shine. And so far in training camp, he's been able to do that. Yeah, I just hope he continues with it moving forward. On the other side of the ball, though, another guy that's kind of shined and a guy that you and I got to see up close and personal at training camp last year before he got hurt, Deshaun Elliott, guy out of Texas, safety out of Texas, came in as a rookie last year, did big things in training camp, made big plays, Yeah, kind of, you know, had a lot of people clamoring about this guy that he could fight for some playing time in his rookie year. Ended up having the season-ending injury. He was on the IR for the entire year. Well, he's come out, and he's balling so far in training camp. He's doing well. He's playing for a spot against against Jefferson and Thomas, which Thomas we know is not going anywhere. No, Thomas no. is your starter. Jefferson's one question mark, but with the way Jefferson played at the end of last year, if he's coming out playing well, I don't know that you can. I mean, he's a little bit more proven. I don't know that you can make the move and the jump to Elliott and have a Elliott be a starter. No, I mean, Tony Jefferson and, and, and Earl Thomas are your lock-in starters for week one. The only way I see Elliott supplanting one of them is if there's, an, God forbid, an there's an injury. Knock on wood, hopefully there's not. But By the way, if one of them gets injured, I'm coming after you. <laughs> but this takes a position that we were at last year where, yes, we had the veteran leadership out there on the field with Eric Weddle, but let's not kid ourselves. He hurt us in coverage in a lot of ways. We talked about this. He wasn't the strongest of tacklers. We take that position. We bring in an Earl Thomas. We get Tony Jefferson 
in a defensive system that's more conclusive to the the type of safety that he is because now you have a true free safety in Earl Thomas who can play on the back end and who can be that center fielder. Now Tony can really focus on being that box safety, which is what he excelled at right at Arizona. Then you add a kid back into the fold, like at the Sean Elliott, this becomes a position of some serious depth. It does. Don't forget Chuck Clark either. Yeah, no, you can't. And you you have a lot of guys in this secondary that are going to really be able to lock it down. And as they do, if injuries come up, you have to your point, you have the depth, but you also have the, the, the ability to give these guys some rest occasionally and be able to pull Jefferson or, not that you're going to pull Thomas off the field for a few plays, but if you need to give him a rest, give him a little bit of a breather in a blowout game, you can do it and not have to worry about the comeback. Right. Because these guys are going to be able to lock it down just as good as, as Elliott and Jefferson. So I, or I'm sorry, uh, Thomas and, Jeff- and Jefferson. So I think a guy like Elliott, it gives you a lot of, a lot of depth there. Uh, to your point, Chuck Clark is another guy who I think he deserved a little bit more playing time last year with what yeah. we saw. He, he shows flashes. Yeah. So I think he deserves a little bit more of a shot as we hit preseason, um, you know, going into some of the preseason games. I like to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the combination of him and Elliot, can they be really be the second team there? And I, I think that they're going to solidify that without a problem, but it's, it becomes how much does Elliot improve? And at some point during the season, does he maybe take over for of the one of the two Jefferson, right? If he's playing well, you can't get off the hot hand. So yeah. if Jefferson starts any struggles and you put Elliott in there and he's killing it, you you leave him in there. there ain't no question about Speaking it. Speaking of rookies who played well, last year we had an undrafted free agent come in that, <laughs> I mean, I think he took everybody by surprise. Gus the bus. Gus Edwards came in, and, I mean, he was he was a beast. I mean, you know, some can say it was a system, but look. The way he ran between the tackles and the extra yardage that he got, the explosion that we saw out of this kid for an undrafted free agent was spectacular. And he's come into camp this year in a much slimmer version, in much better shape. They're saying that he's got more explosion, more speed. Man, this this becomes, again, another position where last year we didn't really know what to expect out of the running back position. We bring in a Mark Ingram. We draft Justice Hill, the you know the the playmaking home run type of hitter running back, right. and we get an, an even more improved Gus Edwards. I'm pretty excited about the running back position. I, I'm excited because it's gonna it's gonna be running back by platoon as it should be with this group. But with Gus, to your point, you know him coming in shape. The the article, the one article read, I thought described it perfectly. He came in looking like a V. Which is what you want your running right. back to look like with good, I mean, good strong legs, but looking like a V, big solid up top, a little bit thinned out on the, on the uh, waist, and that's exactly what you want because that's a guy that's going to have power. He's going to be able to hit for power. He's going to be able to hit the hole. He's going to be my one fear with him slimming down is that they turn him into an east west runner. Right. I do not want that. He needs to stay a north south runner. And I think uh, somebody on on uh, Facebook just chimed in and said that he's he's north to south. Ray Wiley chimed in and says he's been a, he was a north to south runner and he needs to stay that way. Agreed. We need a guy that can hit the hole hard. Can Ingram do it? Yeah, a little bit. Can Justice Hill do it? Mm, that might be still need to be proven. Justice Hill is going to be more of the get him out in space, the east to west, kind of yeah. make plays with his feet. Gus Edwards is that old school north and south type runner and and that's what he excelled at last year. So the extra the extra speed can only benefit him. 
I, you know, I, the only thing I guess I could question is when you slim down too much, that can tend to affect your power because you don't have that extra weight behind you. But this is a guy that, I mean, to me, looking at the pictures of him, yes, he looks thinner, but he doesn't look too thin. No, he looks he, he looks like he turned the fat into muscle. Simple right. as that. And, and that's that's all, what you should do to offset that whole mindset of losing weight gives you less power. If you're turning it into muscle, you actually gain a little bit more power, especially right. if you're taking that, you know, that fat that's around his legs. He's putting in a little bit more work on his leg work, which would be good, be perfect, get those thighs huge, you know, make them the size of three of my heads instead of two, uh, <laughs> but making them really go through and get to that slim V frame, but still have the power. And I think that's what we're going to see out of him this year. Yeah. It's only going to do worlds of good for the offense, bringing in a veteran like Mark Ingram, which honestly, in my opinion, I think Mark Ingram is a very underrated running back in this league. When you look at the stats, you do a side-by-side -side comparison of his numbers versus like some of the greats, Le'Veon Bell. When you put them side by side, there's not much of a dis of, of difference there. Yes, obviously the workload isn't as heavy because they had the the split back down there with uh with um um oh my god, I can't think of his name. Um yep. I'm drawing a blank. Anyway. Uh, Kamara. Oh, Alvin yeah, Kamara, yeah. him and Alvin Kamara, they had the split backfield down there. So he didn't get the entire workload that say a Le'Veon Bell would get. But what you look at the averages this guy can do a little bit of everything. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be that in-between tackles, north and south runner. Again, you partner him with that, you know, elusiveness of a Justice Hill and the Gus Edwards, man. I'm excited about running back. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what we wind up having have going on. Uh, can we talk NFL as a whole here for a second? Sure. Carson Wentz. <laughs> I guess you saw this too, huh? If you guys didn't see this, four-year extension worth 128 million, with 107 guaranteed. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> For a guy that didn't take you to the to the playoffs, that you had to depend on Nick Foles because of his injuries. Well, you had to depend on Nick Foles. Let's not. Let's not. Go you there. had to depend on Nick Foles because he couldn't stay healthy. Well, yeah, and that's the big question mark. And I think that's the that's the problem with this contract. He was on pace for an MVP year that year. If he would have finished the year out, he absolutely would have won Could've, the MVP. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. No, I get that. And I mean, yes, it's a, it's a serious knee injury. And part of his, I guess, kind of repertoire is being mobile and being able to scramble around in the pocket, extend plays, that kind of thing. So you wonder how effective he's going to be. And let's not, kid, let's not kid ourselves. Last year, he didn't have a very good year coming back. He didn't have a very good year. So... They've got a sample size of one really good year up until his injury and then one kind of so-so year after the fact, and yet this guy got paid $128 million over four years. It's just it's ridiculous. Now, there's another guy. $32 million a year, by the way. Another guy in the NFC East who hasn't really had a whole lot of injury issues that's going to be up for a contract extension here. Dak Prescott and there's been a lot of you know rumblings of whether or not he should get a similar contract no to that of Carson no Rance. I don't know I don't see it either I mean I think that that offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott I mean he <laughs> is kind of it, without Elliott in there Dak Prescott was completely ineffective so is he a serviceable quarterback yeah absolutely I think he is a he can have the same contract that RG3 did. 
I think he, well, no, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but he's, he's a bottom 15, in my opinion, quarterback in the league. He's definitely not in the top 15. No. There's 15 other quarterbacks no. that I would take over him, but he is going to be a guy that's going to be up for a contract extension. And the somebody, if it's not the Cowboys, somebody is going to pay him. I just don't know if he's worth that kind of money. No, to me, he's not worth that kind of money. He's like, to your point, he is that that offense is what it is because of Zeke Elliott, not because of Dak Prescott. Right? Can Dak Prescott throw the ball? Yeah, but I mean, they gave him weapons last year. Look what happened. Nothing. It just it's it is Dak Prescott. It is not. Dak I don't know. Amari, Amari Cooper when they went out and got him changed Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott changed Amari Cooper. So there was there were some positive things there, and that's what I mean. So like. You could see the potential of what this offense could do if Deshaun Elliott can stop rubbing up against bouncers in a, an amusement park and he can <laughs> keep himself out of trouble. And if Amari Cooper can continue to put up that kind of effort. The problem with Amari Cooper is we saw flashes of how... Did you how, say Deshaun Elliott, by the way? Did I? I think you mm-hmm. did. Yeah, Zeke <laughs> Elliott. Zeke Elliott, I'm sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, again, if that guy can stay out of trouble... If Amari Cooper can stay up with that kind of effort, because we saw it out in Oakland where he had flashes yeah. of greatness and then just decided he wasn't going to show up anymore. I mean, the effort that he left there in Oakland to what he was doing in Dallas, two totally different ends yeah, of the but, spectrum. Uh, I mean, I know your response on this. Who's a better quarterback, Dak Prescott or Derek Carr? <sighs> Depends on the system. I mean, I would say... I think Derek Carr has the better tools. I think he's got the better arm, but he's also been very, very disappointing the last couple of years. He came out of the woodworks as a rookie in his first when you two got years guys like good. Amari Cooper that don't give a shit. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, you got a receiver that stops running his route and you're throwing the ball exactly, to him. and that's that's part of my point here is with Amari Cooper is how how much effort are we gonna see out of him week in and week out. If he's not involved in the offense enough, is he going to give out that kind of effort week in and week out? And that's where we'll see whether or not Deck Prescott. Jerry Jones is a smooth talker, so I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll see much of an issue here. I don't know. We're going to talk some more football when it comes to Maryland here in a little bit. That's but. right. All right, Scott, it's time for the brew of the week. And the Liquor Stop, again, we want to give a big shout-out to Jerry and the Liquor Stop for everything that they did for us for Episode 100, all the giveaways. But what do we got this week? This week, we got... Uh, he hooked us up. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Peabody Heights last... Uh, I think it was like three weeks ago, or actually almost four weeks ago now. It was for Cinco de Mayo. They hooked yeah. us up with their Simcoe de Mayo. Well, he hooked us up this week with their beer called Dottie, the Happy Blonde Ale. <laughs> do you guys know what Dottie is from? Uh, League of Their Own, uh, right? Yep. That it is. Mm-hmm. That it is. And that's what the... She was the, the catcher. Theme. Yes, she was. She was the main character. Yeah. Played by... Oh, what's her name? Oh, I'm drawing a blank, too. It's oh. shameful, because she's oh, a very man. popular actress, uh, too. Be- uh, Gina... No. I think you're right. I think Gina you're Betty... Bettis? Betty? Bennett? I can't... What's her name? I to say her last name, but it's yes, it's Gina something. Yeah. Uh, but yes. So it's based off of that story, based off of of that movie. Um, it's not a bad beer. I mean, it's it's they call it a happy blonde ale. Yeah. Um, with this one again, it's inspired by a League of Their Own. Five percent ABV. Uh, you know, it's it's a lighter blonde style beer. If you've ever had a blonde, they can be a little bit flat on flavor. It's kind of like a light beer. This yeah. one they added some extra hops, so you can actually get the taste of the hops. Uh, a little closer to an IPA. 
Um, yeah, a little bit of an IPA, hint of IPA taste, but at 5%, it's more like your just traditional beer. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. But make sure you go to Liquor Stop on Conowingo Road. Ask for Jerry. Tell him Birdland BS sent you so you get your 10% off. It is time for the bros, bows, and o's. That's right, man. It's uh, <laughs> not a lot to get excited about at 20 nah, and 45. No, but again, we got to start like looking for these silver linings. We got to find the good to talk about because it's real easy to just dwell on how bad things have been. Right at 20 and 45 uh, on the year. They haven't won a single series since April. What happened to not dwelling on bad things? Look, I'm just going to get through the bad. <laughs> <laughs> which is going to take me a little while, but I'm going to get through the bad and then we're going to talk about some good. That's 13 straight series that they've lost. I'm going to keep going. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, we, we, we all said this would be a, a 60 win, you know, game season at best. Yeah. Brady. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot to call him fully out last right. week. Shout out to Brady for showing up for episode 100. <laughs> uh, but look, let's, let's look at what they did this past week, right? Yep. They had the Texas series. They were in Texas. They go one and two. Severino had a huge game. He looked good, man. But it was it was funny. It was right after they they get Rutschman. Severino yeah, comes right. out and has this game. He's like, I ain't going nowhere, yeah, people. Right. It's gonna make for a real good backup here next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> he had a three home run game in what was a crazy game. The Orioles were winning that game twelve to five going into the ninth. Sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. I'd be pretty, pretty, pretty easily convinced that the Orioles were going to walk away and win that one, even with how bad the bullpen has been all year. They made it too uh, damn close for they comfort. Did, they did not go easily as they hang on. The Orioles do pull out the win, but they hang on on that 12 to 11. Yeah. Sick. Gina Davis, by the way. Thank Gina you, Gina Davis. Uh, that's uh, it. So Ryan says Betty White. It wasn't Betty White. Wasn't Betty movie. White. Betty no. White would have broke bones in that movie. <laughs> she turned ninety-seven me? this past week. That's by the right. Way. Uh, but the other thing with this with this game with this series, Dwight Smith, yeah, playing his ass off to say it nicely. Yeah, and he's doing it all. I mean, he's hitting. He's making plays in he the went, field. He went what three for four with what six RBIs in the one game. Yeah, and then damn near ran through the fence the other night. I don't yeah. know if you saw that, but uh, yeah, he yeah now he's on the IL. Yeah, was not pretty. Th- I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I guess he lost just track of the wall, and I mean, he face planted. Dude, no, no joke. He did not. He did not know the wall was there. He caught the ball and turned like, all right, I still got about 10, 15 feet before I can like touch the wall. No, it was turn and squack face right into the wall. Did you realize he's in the top ten in RBIs you, in the league? You had kind of said something that he was up there, and I was like, eh. I looked at, it, I was like. Damn. He's in the top 10 in RBIs. I mean, I guess somebody has to drive in the runs. You know I mean? Because let's face it. Look, with this misfit of a lineup that we have, we're actually putting up runs. It's saying, just our bullpen can't hold leads. So your point last week for the 100th episode, you brought up the fact that these have been close games. Right. You know, it's 12 to 11 after a 12 to 5 lead, but... No, but that's, close, the, that's, that's the thing. Yes, we're 20 and 45. But it's not like we're getting the blown run, out. The run differential is good. Right. The run differential isn't crazy bad. It could be a lot worse, and I expected it to be a lot worse. So it's not all bad. And then the, we go into Houston, which has been kind of like our arch nemesis over the past few we years. just cannot win. 3-13 and 13 since 2015 in Houston. It has not been fun times in Houston. And I'm sure Mike Elias... 
may have had a little extra edge in this, wanting to see his team go out there and uh Do you, do you think he went down the locker well. room and was like, you guys can't show Win me. Win this <laughs> one for the Gipper. <laughs> yeah. You, got, you guys can't do bad here. You, you can't make me look bad. <laughs> well, look, I, it, again, silver lining. The starting pitching in this series it was pretty good. did pretty damn good. You had three quality starts by all three starters. You had Gabriel Yunoa, who pitched six innings, had three hits, three earned runs, three bases and balls, and three Ks. A lot of threes in there. <laughs> that was probably the worst of the three starts. Yeah, it definitely was. Andrew Kashner comes in, six inning pitched, four hits, one walk, one run, and two Ks, three Ks. And then Bundy. He went six, right? Yeah, and that's the thing with him, man. He's just been so up and down. Hit or miss, literally. He goes six innings in the finale, two earned runs, four hits on six Ks. The problem here, again, it's the bullpen. Bullpen cannot hold leads and can't keep this team in the game. You know what can hold it down? The defense has been doing pretty good. Did you see in that series the play by Santander? I did. Did you see that thing, Brian? Gorgeous. He goes up and catches it. Not only does he catch it over the wall, but he catches it in that little L, yeah, that right. weird-ass mm-hmm. L in Houston, That where if he just goes another foot further, he's going to smack his arm and that ball's coming out. Right. But he catches the ball, brings it back, guns it back to Mancini, and credit to Mancini on the dive to catch this ball as it's coming back to first place and keep his foot on the bag for the double play. Yeah, it was a great double play. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it was named Major League Baseball's play of the week. It was. A guy that had only been here for, what, three games maybe? It was was his second game back, I think. Mm -hmm. And he comes up and wins uh, player of the week or play of the week for MLB. Pretty impressive. Uh, Chris was it Chris Davis that stretched out there at first to get the uh, to make sure he get the out. I just said it was Trey Mancini. Well, oh, was it Trey Mancini? Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I was kind of halfway paying attention there. I see. I know how yeah, it feels. Fifty-fifty shot. Man. Anyway, but a former. Can, go ahead. I was gonna say, can we talk about Wade Miley? This this to me is just mind boggling. Okay, not that I ever really expected Wade Miley when the when the Orioles signed Wade Miley back in what was it 2016? I think they brought him in for his first yeah. year. I wasn't expecting a whole lot out of this guy because he hadn't been much throughout his entire career. Uh, he's a number four, number five at best. Yeah, maybe he makes the roster, especially with the pitching staff that we had at that time. He might make it as a fifth starter kind of guy. Yeah, And he comes in and he puts up pretty bad numbers. He was 10 and 20 with a 5.75 ERA and his time here in his two years here, 16 and 17. Yeah. Well, it's been a little bit of a different story for Wade Miley since Stop he left. Stop exaggerating. This is a huge difference. This isn't a little bit of a difference, Fred. So he left here, and he ended up going to Milwaukee for 2017, and then he's been with Houston since. He is now 10-5 ten ten and five. Five with a 2.96 ERA. What the hell either changed, what clicked, or is it just the curse of Camden Yards and pitching against the AL East? It's not that. It is the coach. It is the coaching and pitching staff uh-huh. that has been surrounding the organization, as far as I'm concerned. Look at this. Look at the. If you're talking, uh, you know, you want to talk curse, whatever. They're if they're going to the same team, I get it. We've had multiple pitchers go to multiple different teams, and what happens? Yeah. Every effing time, right? They go and do well. <laughs> if. Yabaldo was a little younger. 
Somebody would have him on their on their roster, and he'd be pitching a one two ERA. That's a stretch, man. That's a stretch. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Jake Arrieta where he left the Orioles and then went and won a Cy no, Young. No, no. But there's something fundamentally wrong when the guy when guys leave your system and they go have success. Let's look at Ga- while Gosman hasn't had the year of his career. He's still doing better this year than he was in Baltimore last year. Right. And and the fact that you have guys like him, you have guys like Miley, you have guys like Arrieta. You know, these guys. Are, are just the tip of the iceberg. You look at Bundy and you go, is this our own doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this our own doing? Because if it is, there's something fundamentally wrong with the organization. Not just the staff at that point. It's the organization because you're talking about multiple different pitching staffs, multiple different front offices. What the hell is going on? Right, and I think now we're kind of starting to see that trend change a little bit because we're starting to see the success of some of the younger pitchers at the lower levels. So we're we're hopeful, at least I'm hopeful, that that trend continues. We can't keep looking in the past, but I 100% agree with you that this, this has been long overdue for an overhaul with our pitching development because it's been an issue now for over a decade. And it's yeah. been something that it just people – you got to let – your pitchers pitch to 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 Brian's point there. You gotta let the guys do what got them there. You know, it's it's all fine and dandy if you want to sit there and say, well, the cutter has a you know a more chance of risking injury to the guy's elbow. Look, if he's been throwing his whole entire life and it's his out pitch, you gotta let the guy use it, right? Yeah. Jake Arrieta, like you said, goes to Chicago. They let him use it. What does he do? He wins the Cy Young. What happened? What happened when when Bundy? Blew out his arm. It was because they were trying to get him to throw more off-speed pitches. Right. Right. Simple as that. That's exactly what happened. And now we're seeing the long-term effects of that. We thought he'd be able to bounce back. But now we're seeing the long-term effects of that. The guy can barely hit 92 on the gun now. Well, speaking of injuries, we had talked about Dwight Smith going down. DJ Stewart, he was another one that went (laughs) down. Just brought up. Severino, he had the head contusion. Villar, he's got a bad thumb. Alex Cobb today... (laughs) announced that he's going to be out for the remainder of the year having hip surgery so he's done for 2019 what is he 80 this again this is just yet another bad orioles pitching contract this goes right up there with ubaldo in my in my opinion we got more out of ubaldo because he stayed healthy but the performance didn't justify the contract and here we go again giving alex cobb a big but contract, was, but, and we're not okay, getting anything gonna, out of it. I'm going to defend the Orioles on this because there was a he had a proven track record against the AL East. Period. Proven he did, track but he record. also had an injury history, he, and he hadn't been the same pitcher since he who had. Do you that go, injury. Who do you go against the most? The, the guys that they're in your division, and who do you need no, no, him to pitch I, the best? I 100 percent agree with you there, and I think that is ultimately why, why they were as aggressive as they were. That's why I feel like the contract was warranted, though, to sit here and say that, to, to chalk it up and say it's the same contract that Yabaldo. Yabaldo was it was pitching in Colorado for the Rockies, where the air is so thin that the ball just flies up in the air and sits up there and then falls down before it can go out. Uh, no. I thought he was that with ball the goes out. <laughs> the stadium is larger. It doesn't go out as a ra- look. Go look at the numbers. Everybody says Colorado is always in the top five as far as home runs go. 
It's it's there's it's a proven fact that the ball flies out of that stadium more so than anywhere else. It's a big part of the reason that a lot of teams are afraid to give players like Carlos Gonzalez big contracts because they don't ever put up the numbers that they once put on in in Colorado elsewhere. Wow. But regardless, he he left Colorado. He went to Cleveland. He he was very inconsistent in Cleveland. He had good stretches where he looked like that Cy Young type pitcher, and then he looked like he was you know a ten run ERA kind of guy. My point was. It was a bad contract. We all know it was a bad contract. We bring in Alex Cobb, and I'm not saying it was a bad contract since day one. It was a risky contract because of the injury history, and he hadn't proven that he was back from that injury yet. And here we are again. Oh. It's a lot of money, and it's a lot of money. It and, is. I'm not not disagreeing with that, it, and it takes away a trade chip off the table now because you could have potentially traded him. You and know, that, he picks that, it up. I think that's what we were all hopeful for was that he comes in here, shows some resemblance of what he pitched in Tampa, that we can get some sort of package for him. Nobody's going to take this guy, and nobody's going to take this contract now. No. Uh, the other thing that we got to talk about is when it comes to Rutschman. Elias's comments this week about Rutschman and potentially moving him to third base or right field. What are your thoughts here? I don't understand it. Like, okay, so glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, I don't get it. Like you and I, I think are very strong willed about the catcher position because we were catchers, right? So we understand the value of the catcher's position, but when you're looking at what this organization currently has and the importance to where this organization is trying to get right. We've talked about it numerous times where this team is going to be successful in two to three years is going to start with the pitching that's at the low levels right now. Right? So we got a bunch of young pitchers. They're going to be coming up over the, through the rank they're through the ranks for the next two to three years. When they get here, they're going to need a top flight type catcher that not only can call the game, but can throw out runners. That's one of the best blocking prospects to come out of major uh, to come out of college baseball. In, and that has a bat and that has a bat, right? The bat is the bat plays no matter where he plays in the field. My point in, in this is what he brings in value to the catcher's position. There is not a single catcher on this roster currently, Chance Cisco included in that, that I am 100% confident in being our everyday catcher year, this year, next year, two to three years down the road. No. So if they're going to use Adley Rutschman at another position like third base or right field, they better as well have a damn good plan to be bringing in a hell of a backstop to be able to do that. I just think I don't see where that's coming from. Either. I don't either. I think his value is the total package in what you get him. I get that his bat is probably the prize possession when you look at this guy because he was over a 400 hitter in college. He could potentially. And this is the argument that's, that's there and why they want to be looking to do that, which I get because you get his bat here up here earlier. His bat, his defense is, is ready now. Oh, agreed. And 100% his, his, ready his now. Bat, his bat is a year off from being major league ready. I don't even you think could, it's that far off. You I mean, could see I, him I would next, like to see them season. take. Absolutely. We'll probably see him in September of yeah. next year. And I hope that that's the kind of pace that they put him on. But my point is, you don't have that, that all-star caliber catcher that is going to mold these young pitchers and grow with these young pitchers. You have that in Adley. And if that means, look, we're going to commit to six, seven years of Adley Rutschman at catcher and then eventually move him out to third base or right field at that point so you can kind of extend his career because his bat means that much to it, 
okay, that's fine. Take the Joe Mauer approach. That's fine with me. Right. But to just year one, as you draft him, come in and say, hey, we're going to have to evaluate this. We might experiment with him at third base and right field right out of the get-go doesn't make any sense to no, me. No, it's, I, well, I mean, unless they think they've got an abundance of catchers, which I just don't think is the case. I, I don't like this move either. If I'm being, I, I think I see why they're wanting to do it because they think they can get his bat up here sooner by doing that. But in all reality, you're actually going to hinder how long it's going to take him to get up here because he's, now he's got to learn a whole new position. You know, he can, yes, he can play outfield. I don't know that he's ever played third base. I know he's played first base. I'd have to go back and look at his information and see if he's ever played third base. But playing third base, is, it's, it's a different ball game. Right. It's a, it literally, it's not called a hot corner just for fun. Right. You know, and I mean, obviously, he's got the arm strength to be able to do it, but there's there's a difference in reaction time and, and your fielding glove from being on third base than it is behind the plate. It's totally different. Well, and having to, having to move 10 to 15 feet versus having to move two feet. Right. It's a huge difference. Right. So exactly. I, I don't I don't like it. I think you you're you hit the nail on the head with this. You're they're going to rush him up too quick, which I don't like. He needs to be your catcher of the future. Period. Simple as that. Unless you have an idea of of going out and getting a big name, unless you're getting Yadier Molina tomorrow, right? No, yeah, no. I just I, I don't see it. But you know, with Toronto coming into town this tonight, the series started tonight against Toronto. You got the two kind of bottom feeders in the AL East with the Orioles and the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> attendance has been lacking to say the least Ryan's at the game tonight Ryan is at the game and that was going to be my next question Vlad Guerrero Jr. I was actually a big fan of his father big part of the reason that I wore 27 growing up was because of Vladimir Guerrero he's one of my favorite players growing up do you think his son Jr. is worth the price of admission to go out and see not yet no not yet he's not I mean these guys are not proven enough this early in the season to be consistent. I was talking to Ryan. You were saying that he's down at the game tonight. I was talking to him prior to the game, and he said he got there early enough tonight to watch batting practice, and he could audibly tell the ball just sounds different coming off of his bat. And it very well may. I mean, his father, he's got he's got great tutelage. Right. But he needs to sometimes living up to a father's name once you hit the majors can be a little bit harder than you think. Yeah, and I mean, he's not he's not lighting up the world. I think he's hitting like 250, 260 average-wise, but he does have seven home runs already in the short amount of time that he's been up here. The kid's definitely the best prospect that the Blue Jays have. So for me, look, if there's really nothing else for you to hang your hat on and go out and watch this series, I think he is worth the price of admission just to kind of go out there and see what that next generation type player looks like, which if you're just, if you're just looking at the kid physically, he's not the most physical uh, specimen. He's not no. built very well, but this kid can do it all. He's got eyes like his father. He's got the bat like his father. I mean, he he can do all the things, hitting the ball out of the dirt like his dad used to do. <laughs> and to me, that that brought entertainment value to the game. I, I can see what you're saying there. I just I would like to see him be a little bit more proven. I do have one more question for you here. One more question and one more statement. Sure. All star voting has started. Um, how and why in the hell is Joey Rickard on the all star voting for outfield? Misprint. No, it's not. <laughs> That's the only excuse I could come up with. Like, what the hell? Seriously? <laughs> That's how bad 
this team has become is that they don't have they don't have another outfielder with yeah, enough at bats to qualify for that give position. Give it to freaking Anthony Santander for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, you with know, your eight at bats, why don't we put you on the All Star? I mean, it's better. It's a better shot. <laughs> no, I I look. They had to put somebody on there. Unfortunately, it was his name. Speaking of All Star and outfield, by the way, did you hear the Adam Jones and rumors? Yeah, so what I thought was kind of interesting about this was that the rumors are swirling about him possibly going back to Philly or going to Philly. Yeah, being traded to Philly. Yeah, he wasn't a big fan of that last year. Oh, I think he's going to be a big fan of it this year with the way Philly's playing. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I would be going to Philly. Yeah, man. I mean, it's going to give him a fair shot at actually playing in a playoff. Well, when you got a guy like Bryce Harper, who's Harper, Harper, Harper. Who's a big name player with a big ego? Who's willing to try to steal home plate? He was thrown out, but who's willing to try to steal home plate? That's the energy that that's in that clubhouse right now. Yeah, it's about the only thing that Bryce Harper is doing right now, though. His numbers true. are pretty freaking. He got bad. paid. What does he really need to do? Exactly. We'll see what happens. All right, Brian. It's time for a social media shout out. You've been. Uh, chatting it up with anybody there on uh, social media i have let me give some shout outs first so we got yeah. nikki wilkerson james the man of the hour for uh everything he did last week it was much appreciated mm-hmm. we got jessica ryan shamel ray wiley uh samuel l uh kells bryce jenkins and nick nice. so uh chatting it up appreciate all you guys tuning in as so, always so somebody else who's actually at the orioles game who i'm about to feel sorry for because Castro's out there pitching, so I might as well just tell you and Ryan uh, Isaac, uh, Isaac Rice and Ryan Shamel, just leave, just get out before the 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 everything just goes to hell out there. But uh, <laughs> I got my fingers and toes crossed, so he's at the game too. So shout out to him. Hopefully, uh, you stick it out and stay. So um, Ray Wiley asked a good question, or was was talking about uh, Pierce. He said Pierce isn't slim, but he's been getting better and better every year. Yeah, but you know what? This is your rookie. Con- this is the last year of your rookie contract. Exactly. You would think you would come in shape. So I, 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 I and that 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 guy. was my entire yeah. point. It wasn't that he, I haven't been happy with. I I expected big things out of Michael Pierce this year, and I think that's what kind of caught me off by surprise so much was that he obviously didn't have the highest of expectations of himself because he didn't hold himself to a good enough standard. No, he to was come in that kind of shape. He was well, not. He was not healthy. Well. No. Well, speaking of standards, Red, White, and Dew made, made me laugh because he said apparently Michael Pierce must have won the beer bong Olympics with, with the gold medals, and that's why he's out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> so touche to you, dude. Yeah, that man. was hysterical. He was doing something. He was eating and drinking way too much and not doing enough lifting. And, and we're going to tell Sam to calm down. He keeps saying Pete Rose. He wants to hear the Pete Rose story. <laughs> That'll be the good, bad, ugly. We'll get there, man. And we'll James, 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 yes, sir, I am going to the game tomorrow night. Uh, oh, Sherry also said that apparently Red, White, and Dew said he said that his shape was round, yeah. referring to Michael oh, Pierce. Jesus his shape was very round. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, it's time for some Terps talk. Well, we got- for those that didn't tune in last week, why don't you share the big news from last week about you and uh, uh, our Terps BS bird? Yeah, so Ryan Shamel, our Terps BS bird, guy, one of the guys that cl- uh, chimes in every week in the chat room. He's been he on the show. He climbs right on in on that <laughs> chat room. He's in there tonight. Him and I are actually going to be doing a Terps only podcast. Uh, it's mainly going to be a once a month type thing where him and I are just going to be an audio podcast. Uh, it's going to be sh- called Shell and Tell. We're going to have that live with the first episode prior to the football season catching uh, kicking off. So we're excited about doing that. Something that he's been excited about doing. He's obviously 
a Terps number one fan. I mean, he's he's about as big into it as you can be. Uh, so excited to do that with Ryan. So for you Terps fans out there, be on the lookout for Shell and Tell is that uh, that will be coming out shortly. Yeah. Well, let's jump into straight into basketball first with the Terps. Yeah, man. Some big news coaching wise out of the Terps camp this week. Yeah. So they ended up hiring John Bayline's former assistant at Michigan, DeAndre Haynes, as their replacement for Kevin Brodus. This is a huge huge signing for the Terps you know that this we had kind of speculated for a while as to what you know what direction the Terps were going to go in you and I kind of last year and and really for years our one big gripe with Mark Turgeon has been not his recruiting because he's been great at recruiting the big thing that we've always kind of lacked with Turgeon is his ability to be an X's and O's type coach and that's what this guy brings this guy brings the ability to draw up plays, to execute, and to really be that reliable X's and O's guys, the guy that can draw up that play to win the game at the end of the game or can keep their the team on track. I'll take anybody under John Bayline's <laughs> tutelage, period. Right. Uh, I think it's a great move. I think it's, it's, it's what you and I have been talking about for how long now. Yeah. That Turge needs that extra guy that can really help these guys develop on a long-term basis and not just be the recruiter. He's a great recruiter, no doubt about that. But we we have all agreed Turge isn't the greatest play caller, which brings me to a, a, a piece here. They've been calling this a top five team. Do you question this at all with the way Turge's play calling is? A top five national team? Yeah. The Terps? Well, I mean, if you listen... Some people. Some, some people, I was going to say, I think the highest I've seen him was nine. Uh, but nonetheless, I I hate high expectations like that because we've seen it, you know, we've seen it a few years ago when we That's had... That's the name of the show, by the way. High expectations? <laughs> I what you did there. We, we had it a few years ago when we had Mello and we had Diamond Stone and we had those guys that came in as ranked one of the top five teams in the nation. And obviously they didn't live up to the expectation of it. Hype wasn't there. The, yeah. Well, the hype was there. The well, performance yeah. wasn't there. And that's, I guess that's kind of one, my one concern, especially being how young this team is. The majority of this team is going to be sophomores coming into next year. So that can, you know, I don't want these guys to get too big of a head, but you know, I do think that this team can put up some serious numbers and I do think they will be a top 15 team come season okay. end and I do think that they could be an elite eight sweet 16 type team going into this year it's all going to kind of one obviously the, the big thing is going to be injuries everybody's staying healthy but can Jalen Smith sticks step up and take the next step and really replace the production that we're going to lose from a guy like Bruno Fernando I, I mean, you need Smith to step up, and you're going to have Scholl step up. I think the two of them in combination will be able to take over what Fernando is doing. You've got Cowens coming back, who's what been rated the number five point guard in the nation uh, by, I think, what Bob Cousy, or he's in the running for the Bob Cousy Award. Right. So to have him come back, to have Jalen, I think you and I talked about this multiple times. Jalen Smith, I think, in a tournament recognizes when you put in work, you see results. I think that 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 kind of immaturity a little bit that I, I think I maybe saw of that mentality of putting on the extra weight, putting on the muscle, being in the weight room a little bit more. Right. I think we saw that flip of the switch and it's good to see that in such a young guy that can, that's going to come in and I think he's going to be, he's going to be in the weight room even more. I think him and Scholl are going to be in there together 
working with each other, they're going to be a dominant force. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to go. This is a top 10. I think this is a top 10 team. I mean, I, I would love I'd love to see them finish there. It's just there's a lot of question marks. Chole's got to come in and stay healthy. That's a big that's a big Agreed. question mark. And that's, that's obviously been the, the big reason that he's dropped in rankings over his high school career. Jalen Smith's got to take the next step. I think if I think if the Terps are smarter, they're going to ask less of Anthony Cowan. I don't. Yeah, I like, you can't push him and have him on the court for what thirty-two and thirty-five minutes all the time. That and and I just I don't think he's a pressure guy. He's not a guy that's going to be the go-to last-second ball in the hand kind of guy. He had flashes of that in the beginning of last year, but then it seemed like when the pressure got on and when they were playing against tougher component, you know, tougher opponents, he kind of disappeared. Or he was, you know, he'd go on runs where he'd be zero for seven, zero for eight in his shots. He'd, I don't know if it's he just gets the yips about him. But I want to see some of these younger guards, the Sorrell Smiths. Right. You know, I want to see these guys get step up, take that next step, and put the ball in their hands and actually ask them to score. Eric Ayala, that was my biggest frustration with this guy, is that he can score and he can shoot from anywhere. He was just a little too passive for me, and I want to see him get a little bit more aggressive this him year. Him and uh, Ryan's boy Wiggins. No, yeah, right. That's another guy that needs to needs to show that he can step up. And if these guys all step up and oh, they're clicking on all cylinders, and with this signing uh, of of uh, DeAndre Haynes, I think you're going to see a lot of the X and O's really come out, and a little bit less of the you know the style of play that we were seeing last year. You're going to see a lot more working from the inside out, like we've talked about. Right. We've talked about working from the inside about out that successful basketball, period. When they did that, it was successful. you got to do that. I think that's what Haynes brings to the table and is really going to help this team do, ultimately. You know, one of the frustrating things for me with this team is not so much with this team, the Duke, with Duke. Are you going to, you're going to go here? Yeah, I mean, did you see that they announced the ACC and Big Ten Challenge opponents? Yeah. Yeah, and we're going against we're going against Notre Dame. When are they going to just get over it that the Terps aren't in the ACC anymore? Like I get it, like you know, for the first couple of years, do you understand you know, hold a grudge that kind of thing? I just not only just that. Do you understand what kind of money this? Let's be let's not be stupid. It's bringing money to the university. Yeah. Do you understand what that matchup nationally televised? Right. Hell, put it on prime time on CBS for all I care. I think it would. I think it would do well. Well, I, I, one hundred percent do. But I think, I think Duke's kind of got that nose Sour in the puss. air, that like snotty attitude. Then eh, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We're going to get the rankings regardless. We're going to get the ratings regardless because we're Duke. Is that Coach K? It's close to Coach K. Yeah, I, I think it is Coach K. Coach K is is the governor. He is the mayor. He is the president. Of the universe, and he's everything. I'm good. Gay, I'm the governor, and I mean, rightfully so. The guy's, you know, the winningest basketball coach in 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 NCAA history. But I just, you know, I pray to see a Maryland Duke matchup. I, you know, maybe I'm just because I'm an old head and I miss that rivalry. But Notre Dame just doesn't do it for me. Even Virginia, we had Virginia last year. Do you think okay, without, didn't do, you think do it without for having me. A, a? We don't know who necessarily, and I don't keep up with Duke enough, so maybe I'm wrong here. Do you think maybe not having right now the big name player for Duke? Uh, Duke turns I mean, them out like a factor. I know they do. I know they do. But sometimes you see a, a year or two gap in between the the great ones, uh, oh, a yeah, Zion style player. Right. So 
I, I question maybe is it fear of, of injury? And especially when you have those guys, A, you don't want to lose without a guy like that. But B, do you want to play? If you think you have those guys, do you really want to play what will probably be, I don't care what either team looks like, it will be one of the most hard-fought games you would see all 100% year. 100% will. 100% will. Those matchups were, were definitely some of the best, the best matchups in the ACC. You got injury risk in that situation, too. Um, you know, we'll see know. what happens. I, you know, I, it's politics. NCAA is always about politics. It's always about money. Spe- so, speaking of the old ACC, yeah, an old Maryland ACC player. Yeah, a couple we of them. talked about it last week. One of them gets... His assistant coaching job with the Suns. Steve yeah, Blake, so we Steve, talked about it. Steve Blake ends up landing the assistant's job with the Suns. And another another former Terp great, Keith Booth, he ends up going back to Dunbar and getting the high school head coaching job there, which Dunbar obviously it's put I out mean, a lot of good athletes. Yeah, it's put out a lot of good athletes over the years. Maybe not quite what it used to be in the 80s and 90s, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, pretty exciting for these two guys to get their coaching shots. Yeah, especially coming back to the area uh, for for Booth. I think it's it's great to see him get back and basically be involved in the community. Um, with Blake, I wish him the best of luck with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I, I wish I would have loved to have seen him come back here in the in the role for the Terps, that have been that have been pretty nice. Right. I mean, Steve Steve Blake has always been an X's and O's guy. You know, I can't blame him. The guy got a shot at an NBA job, and he's going to take day. it. And then if he does well in that position, he'll be on the you know cusp of getting a head coaching, head coaching. job. Not very long. Yeah. But let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about football here. This football squad is really starting to come together. Uh, yet another huge addition to Loxley's team as they end up bringing in former Clemson linebacker Shaq Smith. He's transferring to the Terps. This is huge. It this was, is big. This was the defense. There was parts of the defense that were a little bit of a question mark and linebacker was one. And now you're solidifying it with a guy coming from arguably a top five to 10 team in the country. Yeah. I mean, they were in the national championship. So I mean these these guys They lost a lot of guys, so that's why I said five to ten because they were the the rankings kind of fell a little bit after right. after that. But this is still a guy that was on a on a on a championship style team. Yeah, and he was a four star recruit out of high school. He's a Baltimore native. Uh he's a graduate transfer, so he'll be eligible right away to be able to play this year, and which he's got, is huge. What, two years that he'll be eligible for? Yeah, they said he'll have two years of eligibility with the Terps, which is which is big. You know, yeah. be able to get him for two years. Uh he's six three, two hundred and thirty nine pounds, which you would think somebody of that size would be more of like the the run stuffing, more of like the, you know, just the 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 anchor type linebacker. No, this guy has the speed of a wide receiver. He's agile as a mofo. He can get sideline to sideline. He can disrupt things in the backfield. He can get after the quarterback, which is something that this linebacker core was was sorely lacking. So they bring in a guy like Shaq Smith, which is huge, a huge get. But then let's not forget, they also are still working on Keandre Jones from Ohio State. They're still working on whether or not his eligibility will work out for this year. But you bring those two guys in, this linebacker core went from kind of okay to damn damn straight nasty. Yeah, I mean, these guys guys are coming from two top-tier programs. So to to, to pull these in, this just... (sighs) We keep saying it. I keep. I feel like I keep repeating myself. But hats off to Mike Loxley, man. Yeah. This is ridiculous. We we were 
and maybe we just underestimated him. Maybe maybe the media as a whole underestimated him because I don't know that anybody expected this big of a recruiting class, in a sense, in his first year here. Right. Not just recruiting right. from a high school year standpoint, one. but from a standpoint of you're steal stealing. You're stealing these players out from other from other programs. Right. So to, to see that, it's just amazing to see. And it's all happening with this whole transition from the McNair piece. You know, I don't know if you heard about this, but they're actually tr- they're finishing the transition now. They're getting away from uh, trainers that are within the and overseen by the athletic division. And they're doing what was recommended. And they're going and using the campus health center and using trainers from there where it's an independent trainer that's coming in and is going to help with making sure that everybody's healthy, safe, all that kind of stuff. And that's great. And that's exactly, again, this just falls in line with Loxley and that crew just doing all the right things and and making Changing all the, the right moves. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that just... A short, what, 10 months ago, we were at a position where we didn't think that this university was going to be able to recover from the the, the tragedy that happened you know, at the university. There was and, fear that we weren't going to be competitive in any sport for the next five years. And to what Loxley's been able to do in his short time here, obviously he didn't have a whole lot of time to come in here. You know, he was he was playing for a national championship. He was coaching for a national championship. So for him to be able to come in and pull back some recruits that, you know, had left and gone to other colleges or, you know, maybe once committed to Maryland but decided to go elsewhere because they didn't like the direction of the university. He's able to pull and get some of these top guys that were from the DMV area to come back. It's amazing. It's really amazing of what he's done in you, the short time. You know time. what it's got me? As long as this team can stay healthy and and have success, I am excited as hell. For next year, he's pulling in these type of. What's he going to be able to pull in next year? Are we going to have people beating down the door to transfer to Maryland, and then have you know high school kids beating down the door to want to be a Terp? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it. We had talked about it a couple weeks ago of what the real expectation would be for this team, and you know, I guess the bar is obviously being a bowl team. We were just short of being bowl eligible last year. I think if it's bowl or bust for this team at this point, with the improvements that they've made. You know, yes, they lost some key pieces in the draft this year, but I think they've done a really, really good job in replacing some of these pieces. You yeah. know, they've got Nick Cross, one of the best safeties in the country. He's here. He's going to end up replacing Darnell Savage. You bring in two beast linebackers from two of the top programs in the country, Ohio State and Clemson. These were guys that were starting for two of the best universities in the country. And, and they now said, they're they said, uh We want to go play play for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, it, I have high expectations for this team. I'm not going to say that they're going to be a 10 win team, but I do think that this team could very, very easily be a bowl team, and not only just a bowl team, but a pretty decent bowl at that. I think you could see this be an eight win team this year. Yeah, and next year, if you know, Ryan said it last week, and at first I was like, eh, but then after seeing some of these signings and, and the the potential sign, uh, not signing up uh, transfer, and seeing the potential transfer from Jones, yeah, I'm sitting here going, wow, yeah, and recruits- next year is going to look as long as this season looks good, no major controversy. You know, next year I am so excited. And the Terps, the commitments are just continuing to roll in for next year. It's just. It's amazing at what he's done, again, in such a short time. But 
The home not, front, the home front's a little different story not, for him not right now. Not all good news around the Loxley name lately. As head coach Mike Loxley's son, Kai Loxley, who's a senior quarterback at UTEP, was arrested on Friday on four charges, including driving while intoxicated, possession of marijuana, less than I think less than two ounces is what they yeah. said he had on him. So more so for he, then he personal also, use. Also making terroristic threats. Yeah, and what they actually said with that, it really wasn't terroristic a threat. Apparently, he was drunk off his ass, high off his ass. He had a gun on him. And he with was a loaded clip, right? With a loaded clip, and he had gotten into a you know an argument with somebody or this group, and, and said, "I will unload all these on you." So it, I don't know if it's a terroristic threat or just a threat. They call in it. General. I mean, it's to, to get logistic about it, it. It's considered anytime there's a threat like that, it's considered a homeland. My mind went elsewhere when they said terroristic threat. When I first read that, I'm like. What the hell did this guy do? What the hell was he saying? Did he say he was going to shoot the president? Yeah, like what was going on? I didn't understand. But like you know, once you heard the story, uh, none, nonetheless, not good news. Not a good look for the locks for, for this whole story. This bail set, like I literally laughed at the bail. Yeah, twenty nine hundred. <laughs> like seriously, Brian is like over there, like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's great. $2,900 for all that, for everything that's come out, for everything that was said, blah, blah, $2,900. But my question becomes to you, does this have an effect on the Terps and, and on Loxley? Not at all. I think, obviously, he's he going to have, have... He doesn't have control of his own son. And he doesn't have control of his team. I think he's... Well, point. the thing is, too, his son is in Texas. He's not. He's here in Maryland. There's only so much that he can do with that. I agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate I, yeah, of what people are look, saying. Look, so. I, I don't think this is going to have any effect on the program. Would it have effect on Loxley himself, personally? Yeah, he might be a little distracted. Yeah, he's got things that he's going to have to handle now, and he's going to have to, you know... Buck up and 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 help his son, yeah, you know, like a father would, in, in the best that you can. So yes, yeah. will it affect him personally? Yes. Do I think it affects the football team? Do I think it affects I just the university? Ask that, there's no. some there's some stupid people out there. I'm gonna say flat, say flat out that there are stupid people saying, oh well, if if this is how he, his son acts, how how can we how can we trust him with our children? Shut the hell up. Yeah. Everybody's had a kid that does something that's you know stupid every once in a while. Right. This was his. It was stupid. It's just because he's under a microscope. His kid's going to be under a microscope. Exactly. I mean, look, there's no excuse for what the kid did, and he's no. got to you know he's got to pay his dues, and he's got to own up, and he's gonna you know he's gonna get into some trouble for it. But at the end of the day, I don't think this has any effect on the team. All right, man. It's time for the good, bad, and ugly. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> The good, I'm going to let you start with this, Scott. The good, you had to show me this video for me to believe it. I hadn't seen this until last night. If you guys have not seen this, you Unreal. need to go look it up. Brian, you have to see, you have to let us know if you've seen this. All right, let me go see it. Did you see the video of Valentina Shevchenko knocking out Jessica I with a roundhouse kick? Unreal! Look, I, this is crazy. I'm I'm a pretty big UFC fan. I don't follow it like some people do. You know, I don't know all of the names and whatnot. But anytime there's a big pay per view event, I go out somewhere and I end up watching the fights. And you know, I've seen a lot of entertaining fights. The women fighters they don't typically do it for me. It just never was. Even like even when Ronda Rousey was was at like the peak of her game, just her style of fighting, the ground, it just wasn't very entertaining. This, dude, this is the wow. This is the flyweight division, and basically, what happened? I drops her hands, 
because she's been getting kicked by Shashenko. She kicked her in the ribs like a hundred times. Uh, yeah, and this is all in like a two minute period, in like the right. second or third round. Well, then all of a sudden, Shashenko goes for the kick. She drops her her hands and just gets clocked in the temple, wide Knocked open. The hell right. out. Oh yeah, Brian's over there watching it now. Like, yeah. damn, it was it was <laughs> rough. I mean, oh, what's even better? He heard it. We watched it, and they said we're gonna listen to this. And you hear this, like you could hear her foot right. hit the side of her head, like she just split her head wide the hell open. Oh, it was awful. Ooh. And you know the thing is, I can't blame the girl for wanting to protect her ribs because every she kick, every kick that she fight. landed in her ribs sounded like she broke every bone on that side of her body. It was so solid of a hit. And you know, she's going down there to protect it, thinking it's coming again. Little did she know. Speaking of hit in the ribs, this is not on our, our stuff to talk about. Did, have you seen this video of like the high school kid that uh, gets he gets a, it's a strike, like a, a swing third strike? Catcher drops the ball, and catcher goes and like tags him. Gives a little harder shove than normal. The kid turns around and wails the catcher with the bat oh. in the in like the in the rib area. No, nah, I didn't see it. This catcher doesn't even flinch. He literally throws his glove and his helmet down, starts unbuckling his shin pads, going, "Let's go, mofo!" <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, that's great. Uh, well, oh, I'll have good. to pull it up in the uh, after hour segment. And let you guys watch it on air <laughs> while everybody's doing it. What's the bad this week? Well, this is a story that I, I hadn't I hadn't heard anything about. I'm gonna let you run with this <laughs> you can one let too. Me go with this one yeah. too. All right, Texas A&M's Derek Tucker was arrested Thursday, stemming from a March incident in which the defensive uh, back allegedly assaulted a man over a disagreement about tacos. <laughs> tacos. I mean, I can understand it. I'm glad I'm not the only one who draws the line and saying on tacos, mofo. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, I know not to beat. No, I know not to attempt to fight either of you when it comes to tacos. How do you get in a bad enough argument (laughs) tacos about tacos that you end up getting arrested for it? La Tolteca or Taco Bell? La Tolteca. La Tolteca. If you said Taco Bell Uh, just because you ate it, I'm going to punch you in the face. La Tolteca all day long. But how do you get in that series of an argument about tacos? I don't know, man. You get to the point that you get arrested, right? Not to mention that it happens. You get arrested three months later. Mother, you didn't put my sour cream on my taco. I don't know that. I could not man. find details on this story. If I find them, I'll share them. But this is just, I think oh, it was too man. funny not to laugh and go, this is just bad. But you have a worse story than this. Yeah, this one. It's funny. And Brian has to put his, his face on the cam when we hit the audio clip. <laughs> ah, Jesus. It's funny. It's a little too far. It was completely unexpected. So MLB great. And in my opinion, probably the greatest hitter of all time. Pete Rose was on the mics on with Francesca's show last week. And he was telling a story about a time he and another one of MLB greats, Joe DiMaggio, yeah. went on a trip to visit troops in during the Vietnam War. So uh, I'm just going to let him tell the story. Wrong one. We're we're down in, as you may not know, South Vietnam is a jungle. He went to Vietnam with Joe DiMaggio on a tour. Yeah, 23 days I lived with Joe. And it's so hot you can't sleep, and all of a sudden Joe says, i got to take a shower. I said, Joe, we're not downtown Saigon. We're in the (laughs) damn middle of the jungle. He said, I don't give a darn. I'm Joe DiMaggio. i got to take a shower. So the only way he could take a shower there is a guy had to get get up on a chair, me, have a bucket of water, pour it into this canvas thing, pull the chain, and the guy underneath took a shower. I gave Joe DiMaggio a shower. Now, 
The best way to describe Joe DiMaggio is he was a penis with a man hanging from it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get us kicked off the air, Mike. <laughs> now, I heard this interview, and I'm like, I, hold on. I got to play that back again. I played it like four what? times. Did I hear this thing? right? Holy crap. Are you kidding me? He's a penis with a man <laughs> hanging <laughs> off it. it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow, it, to, to come out of Pete Rose's <laughs> mouth. About Pete a guy that said some pretty crazy things. Oh man, Joe DiMaggio. That's and great. we just made Sam and Steve's night, man. He's <laughs> he's like that was a wild story. Can oh, we please man. put him in a Hall of Fame just based on that? Now <laughs> he he is absolutely hilarious. He's one of those guys that you know. People ask you like, who would you want to? If you could pick like one guy to go to lunch with, or you know, just sit down and have a conversation with, he'd be in the running for that. Just because all the stories that I've heard out of this guy over the years, and just everything that he's been through personally obviously throughout his career and just his mindset with everything like he's an intriguing guy to me and not to mention he's the greatest hitter of all time yeah well have you seen one of speaking of greatest hitter of all time i agree with that and the reason that he should be in, in the uh, hall of fame have you guys seen the video when he was on mlb network with frank thomas and alex rodriguez i did that was for those of you that haven't seen it go check it out basically he narrowed a-Rod straight asked him, how were you able to be such a great hitter? And he said, I did six things. I never changed, I never changed my, my, my swing. He said, my swing was always the same. That's what got me to the majors. I did six things. I moved up in the box. I moved back in the box. I moved away from the pitcher. I moved towards the pitcher. I choke up on the bat. I choke down on the bat. That's it. That's why Pete was so good because he never changed what got him there. Right. Kind of to the point we talked about with the Orioles pitchers. Don't change what got them there. Make adjustments Move a little bit over on the mound. Move a little bit back. Change your, you know, change something. But it doesn't need to be major changes. It's small changes that make you make adjustments for. Yeah, it's it's like again, he's just one of those guys that just, I, again, I could listen to him even if it was just baseball talk. If I'm just talking about baseball with him, to your point, like he just the simplicity of how he broke that down, but yet how effective that really is. He had, he had a Rod and, and Frank Thomas going, huh? I never thought about it that yeah, way. Exactly. And there's two other great hitters. Two of the greater mm-hmm. hitters in their generation. Exactly. I love Pete Rose. He's a guy that I don't care about the gambling stuff. Should be in the Hall of Fame just based on stats alone. Yeah. And now it's time for the two minutes. Warning. That's right. It's time for the two-minute warning. This week, Fred, it is your turn, my friend. And you've got some good stories this week. I do. I'm excited to see how many of these you can get through. <laughs> if you can get through all five, I'll do a shot on air. Nice. In the after hours. hey So. I got faith in you, man. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. All right, man. Your two-minute warning. It starts Meow. Former Red Sox slugger David Ortiz was shot and hospitalized in his home country of the Dominican Republic Sunday evening. It was widely reported as an attempted robbery and that the suspect was detained very quickly after the incident. Videos were circulating the web of the suspect being beaten by bystanders after the incident. His operation lasted six hours and was performed by three doctors. They had to remove part of his intestines, his colon, as well as his gallbladder, and he suffered liver damage as well. Wow. The Red Sox sent a team playing for him to be brought back to Boston Medical. Look, as much as I hate Boston, well wishes to Poppy on a speedy recovery, man. But there is some dirty laundry to this story. We're going to tell more about it in the after hours. 
Vanderbilt freshman Kumar Rocker is the first player in NCAA Super Regional history to throw a no-hitter and the eighth in NCAA tournament history. A 19-strikeout performance closing out the game with four in a row. The Duke hitters were off balance all night long, unable to touch Rocker's breaking pitches. Something about this story makes me picture a guy yelling racist comments while eating White Castle burgers. (laughs) Too much? Too far? Wow, man. (laughs) Could Penn State have the next Justin Tucker? Former Virginia Tech kicker Jordan Stout, who transferred to Penn State for his upcoming season, posted a video on his Twitter over the weekend, splitting the uprights with a 70-yard field goal kick. I don't care who you are or what level you're playing at. That's pretty damn Damn. impressive, even if it is Penn State. Warrior star Kevin Durant suffered a right Achilles tendon injury in their Game 5 win over the Raptors last night. Warriors general manager Bob Myers said Durant will have an MRI on Tuesday to determine the severity of the injury. Not sure what else there is to determine here, but did you see the pop in his leg on the video going around? There's no mistaking that type of shockwave through his leg for anything other than a ruptured Achilles. I'm no doctor, but it's a wrap for Durant for a while. (laughs) Jalen Ramsey's back on social media and running his mouth again. He said after Tuesday's mandatory minicamp practice that his agent told him the Jaguars will not. Oh, man, I was almost there. You were almost. I'll give it to you. You (sighs) You know what? I'll let you finish out that one. Go ahead. Yeah, this is so, a crazy so, story. Oh, a funny story, I should say. Oh, man. So after Tuesday's mandatory minicamp practice, the agent told the Jaguars they will not be giving him a contract extension in 2019. Roughly an hour later, Ramsey joked on social media that he's going to ask for so much money, they're going to have to put me on layaway. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's a great player, but that Floby can sit on Kmart's layaway for all I care. <laughs> yeah, right? Christ. Oh, man. And Kmart shut down so ain't nobody getting Exactly. It. Ain't hey, nobody right. cashing I'll in on that. I'll give it to you. If you want to hand me the alcohol over there, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. That was, that was pretty good. These were these were some long ones, and you got through four and the, half to three quarters. I'll give it to you. Here. And, and that White Castle reference was, was, was top-notch, dude. <laughs> that was awesome. All right. To Fred, oh, to Fred getting through... Probably the most he we, we have in a while. On Cheers, this. my friend. Cheers. Mm. Down the hatch. Ooh. Man. That's some good shit. Oh, man. All right. Well, it's another good show, but we want, before we end up hanging up, we want to take the second to thank the good people over at Sound United, the parent company of Polk Audio, Definitive Technology, Denon, Marantz, and Classe for sending us these attractive Denon AHD 5200 headphones. Denon makes some of the most popular AV receivers, but man, do they know headphones too. These premium headphones sport ear cups made of real zebra wood and exotic tone wood used on high-end acoustic guitars. This lends the AHD5200s a naturally warm, musical sound. You'll find Denon's free-edge drivers under the hood, a shining example of Japanese headphone engineering. Large dynamic drivers are suspended within a baffle system that lowers resonance. The drivers deliver healthy mids, smooth highs, and tight, potent bass. Just let your ears sink into the plush blended leather padding and enjoy music like never before. All right, guys, we want to remind you to check all of us out on www.birdlandbs.com. Check out all of our episodes, learn about each of us, contact us, and get yourself some Birdland BS gear. We've always got it on. Brian's sporting his Schmedium shirt this week that he received last week. <laughs> He's happy and excited for that. I want it, baby. <laughs> Visit thebigplay.com and Big Play Twitter page. Download the Big Play app. It's got a makeover. You can see all of our content there. We're on the, the Big Play YouTube now as well. Right. Follow us on all of our social media sites. Twitter, at BirdlandBS. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. It's all at BirdlandBS. You can follow Fred at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at ITBlakeBLBS. 
If you want to have your opinion or topic heard on the show, use the hashtag that's BLBS and we'll bring it up on the show. Make sure you always check out the audio version of the podcast as well on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app of your choice. You can check it on your way to work, on your way home, while you're at work, or while you're sleeping if you want. Just just get the listens in, people. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll be back next Tuesday, or, yeah, next Tuesday night at 845 for Fred, myself, and IT Blake Bryan. We'll see you guys next week. See you.